We've been in Acts chapter 10 and working our way through this uh, conversation between Cornelius and Peter. Uh, and we left off, I believe, on uh, in verse 39 and, and looking at this cluster between uh, verses 39 and 43 and the witness of the provision of salvation uh, by Peter. Now, remember, the backdrop to this is that. Uh, Peter has been led here uh, to speak with Cornelius, and he is uh, rehearsing after hearing Cornelius's story of, of uh, how uh, he was led to, to seek out Peter. And so now he's rehearsing uh, the words of life with Cornelius and his whole captive audience of a household. As I was preparing uh, for this last night, I'd like to go back and uh, listen to uh, really the whole book of Acts, but Specifically in chapter 9, something jumped out to me uh, that didn't jump out to me before. So go back into Acts chapter 9. We're going to read from from verses 32 uh, to the end of the chapter and use this as our introduction for today. Um, And so start there. In verse 32, it says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man, Aeneas, which had kept his bed for eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he rose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Uh, Now there was a certain, or excuse me, at Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed and laid her in the upper chamber. Uh, And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay uh, to come to them. Verse 39. uh, Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought uh, him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dor- Dorcas had made uh, while she was with them. But Peter put all of them, uh, put them all forth, and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him uh, to the body, said, "Tabitha, arise." She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her uh, gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when uh, he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa uh, with one Simon a Tanner. Now remember, this is kind of the introduction uh, to chapter 10. And where we find Peter is uh, he sees this vision. And so these things are all playing in his mind. He has just participated in the raising of a woman from the dead. Now he's going to rehearse the raising of the dead uh, of Jesus to Cornelius. And so there's an interesting uh, backdrop to what you see in chapter 10. And so going over to chapter 10 and verse 39, and we'll read just the immediate context well, from 39 to the end of the chapter, um, and then we'll get started. And it says there in verse 39, and we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the lands of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly 
not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard uh, them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed uh, they him to tarry certain days. Uh, and so you see, uh, again, this comparison here, uh, interesting thing of the giving of the gospel uh, after these miracles were done in Joppa and after he's come uh, here into the household of Cornelius. And so we'll we'll get into this and look at the witness of the provision of salvation uh, for Cornelius from Peter. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful uh, for this day uh, and grateful for the uh, blessedness of being able to come together as saints uh, to look at your word uh, and to know that it is true, uh, to uh, reminisce on the uh, things that have been accomplished uh, through your son, Jesus Christ, through the early church, and to understand uh, the impact of these things for us uh, today. Uh, and uh, as we always say and pray, we, we pray that as we enter into this study and as we make our way through it, that we'd have a better appreciation uh, for what we have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. And so in verse 39, uh, we see the witness really of 39 and 40, the witness of Peter and his company. Now, remember, uh, Peter is not alone here in the people that came from Joppa. He brought a couple of men with him uh, besides the men that uh, came from Cornelius. And so we're going to come to find that those are a couple of Jews that traveled uh, with Peter over to the household of Cornelius. And they are all apparently witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you put yourself in the mind of, of Cornelius and his household. These are guys that have just been doing uh, religious Judaism or religious works to the God of Israel. Um, and here they're seeing what this is really about. Now, if he had just broke down the law to these guys, it wouldn't have mattered much. Right. Anybody can just go around doing things uh, and doing religious services. And he had already basically been doing this. What Peter's about to provide to him is a true spiritual understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God. And this is uh, what's going to come uh, forth from this. And so we see in verse 39, the testimony of his works that he did in his life and his death. In verse 40, we see the testimony of his resurrection. Now, he would have potentially heard being close enough and having people and the report went out concerning this man, Jesus. Hey, there was a guy named Jesus that lived. It was in Jerusalem and was crucified. Right. Not a big deal. This resurrection piece is the one that always gets people right. I'm reminded of the pastor all the time when I come to this and the conversation he had with the guy at work. And I know this guy specifically that he's <laughs> he was talking about. And he says, 
He was tracking with him when he was talking about Jesus and Jesus lived and he did all of these great works. Okay, that's fine. Uh, He died. Yeah, people die all the time and some people even die violently. Uh, But he was resurrected from the dead. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a minute. You're telling me that you believe that a man resurrected from the dead? People don't normally believe this, right? And as we think about the gospel and think about the impact of the gospel, that piece right there is what separates it from everything else. There is no other religion that I know of that's claiming that that their God sent down a, a person into flesh and this person lived and died and was resurrected again. And so here Cornelius is about to experience uh, that difference and the power of it uh, as he believes. And so in verses 41 and 42, we see the selection and direction of the witness by God. And so we see it uh, verse, did I say 41? Yes. Uh, Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And so go with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there's something interesting that you might miss if you just focus in on the gospel piece early on that is very relevant to what we're reading here. Now, it would be one thing if Jesus just lived, uh, died, was buried and rose again on behalf of our sins. But there's more to it than that. Right. There are witnesses to his resurrection. Now, there are not witnesses that stand around here today. That would be great if we could talk to someone who had seen this, but we can't. But we know during this time there were many witnesses that were still alive. Pick it up in verse one. It says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died on behalf of our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of, of James, then of the, all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. You see, there are witnesses that existed to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And as uh, Peter is, is given this gospel and, and uh, stating to Cornelius what actually took place, he can speak as one that was an eyewitness to this, right? Now, we can call people a liar and say, hey, you didn't see any such thing, right? (laughs) That would be one thing. But if you believe that what someone is saying is true, then they are actually a testimony to what took place. And this is what's going on here with Cornelius. And so flipping back to Acts chapter 10. (coughs) And it says that these eyewitnesses or these witnesses were chosen before of God. Uh, Not just chosen to salvation, but chosen to be 
witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. Wouldn't that be a great thing to have been uh, one of those people who were chosen to see him after his resurrection? Uh, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And so there were some that that saw him, some that witnessed the resurrection and some that actually interacted with him uh, uh, person to person, having meals and eating uh, and having that kind of a relationship with him. And so uh, I also have in a footnote here. Uh, Andrew was just commenting on some of the footnotes that I, <laughs> I have in my notes. Here's, here's one for you and the purpose for it, Andrew. Uh, the message was first to go to the people. As you think of the people and as we look at this term, this is generally used of Israel. And I don't know many places in Scripture where it's not used concerning uh, Israel. And uh, we see this in, in chapter 1 and verse 8 and was based around the future judgment of the living and the dead. Go back with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And it seems that we keep coming back here. I warned you when we first started in this study that this was going to be central to the theme of this book, right? Two themes that I see that carry throughout this book are uh, the spread of the gospel, right, and where it went out to, and the, the giving of the Holy Spirit and the uniqueness of that, that giving. And so those are two overriding themes that we'll continue to see uh, throughout this book. But in verse 8, or pick it up in verse uh, 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the chronological times or the seasons of times which the Father hath put in his own authority. Yes, I translated some things there on the fly. Verse eight, but you shall receive power. Now, this is dunamis. This is uh, the ability uh, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so as you uh, see this statement being made back in Acts chapter 10 uh, concerning the witness to the people, right? The gospel was to go out to Israel first, and they had the first opportunity to understand this man that you rejected has been made both Lord and Christ overall, and is the only way that there is to salvation. And as you see this, what do they do? They many times in the uh, book of Acts rejected again, and we could have went to all these other occurrences where even Paul, after he uh, is converted, where does he go first? He goes into the synagogues and tries to declare the gospel to these, Israel, to these Jews. And what do they do? They reject it. <laughs> and so uh, it happens over and over again. Now, thank, thank God for this rejection because it allowed the opportunity for uh, the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. Top of page 143, we see the validation of the prophets. And so in verse 43, he says to him, uh, speaking of Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever shall believe in him shall receive remission of sins. And really, uh, we looked at it in uh, the Bible Institute when last time I was uh, uh, leading. And this in him, uh, believe in him is really an into him. And so taking you out from who you were in the world and placing you into Christ is what's at view here. 
Uh, and so you see all of the actions that take place to place someone into uh, Christ. Um, and so we see the witnesses that's provided here. The Old Testament, uh, and again, we have a footnote, Andrew. I'm going to call these out every time <laughs> because of you. <laughs> I'm going to show you there's a purpose to them. <laughs> and so we see the statement is made concerning every prophet of the Old Testament. And so from the minor prophets to the major prophets, something in their writings always pointed to the fact that there is a coming Messiah, right? And this one is going to be sent to Israel. And some of them even testified to what they were going to do to him, even though they weren't paying attention uh, to these very things taking place. And so Philip's under, or did I say Philip? Oh, different verses here. And so uh, some of these testimonies we want to go and look at uh, apart. And so in John chapter 1 and verse 45, we see Philip's understanding of the writings of the prophets and the meanings pointing to Jesus. Go back with me to John chapter 1 and verse 45. John chapter 1 and verse 45. And pick it up in verse 43. It says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And so here you see, as he's meeting this one, he's saying, Hey, as we've read through in, in the law and in the prophets, it was all pointing to the coming of a man. And I found this man <laughs> and his name is Jesus. And what is his response? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Interesting statement there. Uh, we also see over in uh, Acts chapter 3 and verse 24 that Peter's, uh, Peter tells the prophet's message pointing to the coming of Jesus in the, the face of the Jews. And so while they're uh, looking to shut down this message and stop him after he's done this uh, healing of the lame man who was at the, the gate, he's going to uh, declare that the power that caused him to be able to heal this man uh, was testified of uh, in the person of Jesus in the Old Testament. Pick it up in verse 20. Well, go back a little bit. Uh, pick it up in verse 17. I guess we could go back further than that, but I, I can keep going back forever. I'll be at the beginning of the chapter. It says in verse 17, And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did it, uh, as do did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that uh, really there you could say the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer, he hath also fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Now here you see a, a national or really a wide audience preaching of the gospel and a de declaration of this person that you killed. Right? We just talked about it. He is the one that you need to place your faith in. And what do they say? You know what? 
You're right, Peter. <laughs> We've done wrong. We believe. No, that's that's not going to be the end of it. But in verse 21, whom the he- whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. For uh, Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up uh, unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, uh, God hath, uh, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning uh, away every one of you uh, from his, really there, his uh, malignant evils. And so we talked about the fact that that word iniquities translates many things here. Here's the word for evil. Um, but you see again the, the prophets testifying uh, to the coming of the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 22, we see Paul testifies uh, the message of the prophets concerning Jesus before Agrippa. And so go with me there. Acts chapter 26 and verse 22. And so he's giving the account of what's happened here and why he had been uh, um, put into bondage by the Jews and and what caused him to come to the place where he is and his conversion and all of that included. And remember, at the end of this, he's given instruction from the Lord. But pick it up in verse 16. He says, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness before these things. Or, or both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which for which in which I will appear unto thee, uh, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, uh, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at, Jer- at Jerusalem uh, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, that the Gentiles, that they should, or, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. For these, ca- for the- these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me, having therefore obtained help from God. I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than that which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should uh, be first that should rise from the dead and should show uh, light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And so you see here uh, Paul testifying to this uh, and what the the, uh, prophets had testified to in the Old Testament. 
And then lastly, over in first Peter uh, chapter one and verse 10, we see the prophets desire to know uh, for the of the salvation uh, for which they're writing, uh, even though they didn't necessarily get to know. But first Peter chapter one and verse 10. And pick it up in verse three. He says there, blessed is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead uh, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through the faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much precious than gold that perisheth, uh, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto praise and unto honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, and whom though you now see him not, yet believing, uh, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, or excuse me, your faith, even the salvation of your souls, uh, of which salvation the prophets inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come, searching what and what manner of time uh, the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify uh, when it testified before uh, and the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should be or, or should follow. And so you see here, they're they're writing about these things that they uh, don't know are going to come to take place. So they know they're going to come to take place, but they don't know the exact uh, uh, vision of it. And so imagine uh, even when you're writing a story, right? You see the vision of what that story should look like, but you don't see it uh, really come into play. Some of these books that have been turned into movies add visuals to what was written, right? And this is a very bad <laughs> comparison here, but it gives a little bit of credence to it, right? You see the actual picture of a writing. If you've ever read a book and then go and watch the movie, it has a little flavor to what was written. Now, sometimes they do a bad job of translating those things in the book uh, to video. Uh, but this is a little piece of what it's like. These guys were writing, right? And their story is not theirs. They're writing someone else's story. And they want to know what it is that took place here. And they never got to see it. Uh, these guys that, that experienced it know. Uh, those who know, know, right? Uh, and so you see that here. Um, and so going back to chapter 10, when he's talking about the prophets and all of these prophets uh, leading up to the coming of this Messiah, uh, we see who he was talking about. Uh, and going back to verse 43, I believe, is where we left off. And so he says to whom or to him. Uh, give all the prophets witness. And so there's a piece of this in every uh, writing of the Old Testament prophets uh, that through his name, whosoever shall believeth in uh, or into him shall receive the remission of sins. Um, lost my place in my notes. Got to get back. There we are. 
And so we see the uh, salvation uh, through faith into him and forgiveness of sins. Now, uh, this forgiveness of sins is an interesting uh, statement, too. And again, another reason I added a footnote as I ran out of room in my, in my regular notes. Uh, but we see this word for forgiveness is the Greek word ephesin, which uh, literally uh, is the state resulting from putting off or putting away something from oneself or another. Uh, and so in that sense, it has the idea of pardoning. If you're in a courtroom uh, where someone has done something that's wrong, right? They've absolutely are guilty of what they've done. Sometimes the judge can pardon them, right? Sometimes governors or high elected officials can pardon someone uh, from something that they're guilty for. And so you see that at attitude or that uh, idea of forgiveness there. And so it further means to f uh, formally decline to carry out the punishment of one who is guilty of an act through communication, right? And so you see that here with this word for forgiveness. There's a lot of different words that are translated in, in scripture, forgiveness. I would translate this more along those lines of pardon, to pardon someone. Uh, and so in verse 44, verses 44 through 48, we see uh, the salvation of the household of Cornelius. Now, this is a very interesting one because you don't see him actively say, you know what? You've said this, Peter. I see the elements of the gospel here and I believe what you're saying. What you see is an act that happens, that the Holy Spirit immediately comes on all of them that were in this household. And that's kind of unique up to this point. We hadn't really seen this. And so pick it up in verse 44. It says, while Peter yet spake, or really as he was speaking, as this is going on, uh, these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word. And so what an amazing thing, right? Peter doesn't even know this is taking place. He's busy talking. And in their minds, they're believing everything that he said. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Uh, again, this is unique to what we've seen up, up to this point in the book of Acts. And so the simultaneous relationship between the speaking of Peter and the receiving of the Holy Spirit is, is a very interesting thing. Now, Peter was speaking the elements of the gospel. Remember, in verse 39, we saw the death of Christ. In verse uh, 39, we also saw his resurrection. And then in verses 40 and 41, we see that these things were done on behalf of uh, uh, our sins or the resurrection was in verses 40 and 41 then sins here in verse 43. So you have really roughly here all the elements of the gospel and then you have this coming of the Holy Spirit unto them. And so I say this unique reception of the Holy Spirit because up to this point, what have we seen? We've seen that back at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came unto all these people who were already believers all at once that were gathered in this one place. We've seen men uh, go in and lay their hands on people and then receive the Holy Spirit. And then we have our occurrence with uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in which there is no, no statement of the Holy Spirit coming unto him. Now, I could argue that him... Uh, the possibility was that he received the Holy Spirit at the time that he believed, but I'm not going to take that stance because it's not written in Scripture. But let's let's go back and look at a couple of these um, again in your footnotes. <laughs> um, I'm going to stop writing you, Andrew. <laughs> I have to. You, you did it to me. Uh, there was nothing uh, said from any uh, household member of Cornelius. There was simply faith placed in uh, the work that Christ accomplished and further seen uh, through the baptism uh, that placed them into Christ. Uh, but in footnote 133, you see the Holy Spirit openly descended 
uh, upon Jesus, Jesus at his baptism. Now, this is a unique one uh, to, to the Lord, of course, but I think it, it kind of gives you a preview into how the Holy Spirit is supposed to uh, be received. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 22. And you can mark uh, chapter 10 of Acts there in your Bibles. But it says in verse 21, uh, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended uh, in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And the voice came uh, from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Uh, and so you see the ministry uh, of the Lord begins after that. And so you see uh, here uh, open receiving of the Holy Spirit by the Lord. Now, it's very different as you look at men uh, and some of these other occurrences. But go back with me to Acts chapter two in verse one. And we'll remember back to where we've we've been in the past. And it says in verse one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in with one accord in one place. And so here you have a gathering of all of those that were closely associated together uh, during the time of Christ. And so uh, if we went back into chapter one, you see a lot of those people listed and it goes beyond just the 12 disciples. Right. There were uh, a few others that were among that group. And I think uh, uh, up to 100 is stated in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as uh, of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues uh, as the Spirit gave utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men uh, out of every nation, nation under heaven, uh, now, when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in their own or in his own language. Uh, and so we could go on there. But you see uh, this coming of the, the Holy Spirit simultaneously unto all of these that were gathered uh, at this place. Now, beyond that, we also see the Holy Spirit. Um, well, I keep losing my spot here. I told you I need glasses badly <laughs> in Acts chapter uh, eight and verse 17, we see the Holy Spirit given by the laying on of hands. And we could also see this with uh, uh, Paul over in Acts chapter 19, but we won't go there. Uh, but Acts chapter eight and verse 17. And pick it up at verse 14. Um, and we see here uh, in Samaria. Uh, now, when uh, the apostles, were, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them uh, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was not fallen or he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid, uh, they, laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered money, saying, Give unto me also the authority that on whomsoever I lay my hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that doesn't uh, end well there <laughs> for him. Uh, but you see this uh, reception of the Holy Spirit here is what? Uh, these are people that were, were saved. And uh, I believe and, and my postulation with this is that as the gospel expanded, it had to go out to all of the places where uh, we saw in chapter one it should go out to before the Holy Spirit immediately came unto people. Right. Because we don't see the Holy Spirit immediately coming. It's not documented until chapter 10. Right. And that's what the uh, uh, Gentiles receiving. Now, uh, I would say to this again here later in the chapter, we see a Gentile in the Ethiopian eunuch who is saved. But there's no mention of the Holy Spirit being received or not. And so I couldn't. Uh, say here that it was uh, that he immediately received the Holy Spirit. But pick it up there. Uh, sk skip down just a little bit in that chapter um, and uh, pick it up in verse 34. And it says, and the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom uh, speaketh the prophet this of himself. Remember here again as, as evidence to what we saw in chapter 10, that the prophets are t uh, testifying uh, to the Lord. Or of some other man. In verse 35 it says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they uh, went their way, uh, and they went on there, as they went on their way, uh, they came unto certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water, doth anything hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, and thou mayest, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both or went both uh, into the water, uh, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were uh, come out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, uh, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he uh, went his way rejoicing. And so it could be, uh, I would think, yes, that he received the Holy Spirit at that time. But it's, it's not directly stated. But we see it here in chapter 10. that it's directly stated. As soon as they believe these facts, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them. And so faith uh, converts to the reception of the Holy Spirit. Um, yes, uh, and so the unique uh, reception of the Holy Spirit, verses 45 through 47, we see the reaction uh, of the Jews in the household. And so in uh, um, verse 45, it says, and they of the circumcision, which believe were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this this does something to the mentality of the Jews that God is unique to them, right? <laughs> that this is our God and we have a relation singularly with God. And these old Gentiles over here, uh, I don't know about them. Well, look, they're receiving the Holy Spirit just as you did, right? Something is changing here and you'll, you'll see this uh, further evidence throughout the book as we go on. Uh, but in verse 45, we see the description here uh, or of these Jews as the ones out from the circumcision. Now, this term is used in contrast uh, uh, to them with the Gentiles uh, of Cornelius's household. And we see this uh, term used in several places, uh, and it's most of the time used for just that, to contrast uh, directly 
with those that are uh, Gentiles. And so skip ahead to chapter 11 and verse 2, and we see it uh, used there, and we'll, we'll be there pretty soon. But it's in uh, Peter's rehearsal of what took place. Uh, these out from the circumcision are going to say, oh, you went in the house of Gentiles. What, what are you doing? And so we, we see this here. But pick it up in verse 1. It says, and the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were out from the circumcision contended with him, saying, thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat? Now, we've established that there is no law, uh, direct law, restricting uh, these Jews from going into the household of Gentiles. It's more the amalgamation and built into the traditions of the Jews to say, hey, we're going to make sure that none of these laws are broken. And by doing this, we're going to say, don't even go into the house of a, of a Gentile. Right. And so you can see that uh, it's what we've postulated with Adam and Eve. Right. When God told Adam not to eat of the tree. Then you see uh, stated further when Eve is talking to the serpent, what does she say? We're not to eat of the tree, nor even touch it unless we die. God never said that. God said, don't eat from the tree. Uh, and so here you you add things to to make them more uh, firm than what they are sometimes. Uh, but over in Rome, Romans chapter four and verse 12, uh, we also see further. Uh, this use of those out from the circumcision. And again, it's contrasting uh, here with Gentiles. Um, pick it up in verse 10. Uh, it says, how uh, was it reckoned uh, when he was in circumcision or when he was uh, uncir uh, in uncircumcision? Uh, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He uh, received the sign of circumcision, speaking of Abraham, as a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all of them that believe, though they uh, be not circumcised, uh, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of the circumcision uh, to them who are not of the circumcision but who walk uh, in the, the steps of faith of our father Abraham, uh, which he had being uncircumcised. There's a lot of circumcision and uncircumcision in that context, but you see those out from the circumcision. Again, uh, in the life of Abraham, you see the contrast. Then over in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12, you see uh, Paul chiding uh, Peter here for uh, being a hypocrite. And so... <laughs> Uh, this is after he initially went into the household of, of uh, Cornelius and was ready uh, and willing to eat. Uh, but in the future activities after this, you're going to see him draw back and say, you know what? It's not a good look for me to go into the house of these these Gentiles. I, I, I don't think I'm going to do it anymore. Uh, pick it up in, in uh, verse eight. It says, for he that wrought effectually in Peter uh, to the to the apostleship. Uh, of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen, or Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would, or, uh, on, only they would that we should remember uh, the poor, 
the same which I also was forward to do. But when Peter uh, was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before the certain uh, came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were out from the circumcision. And so you see again this this contrast here with the the Jews uh, uh, being out from the circumcision and Gentiles. Um, we could also go to uh, Colossians chapter four and verse twelve and and Titus one uh, ten where that term is used, but we we get the picture. And so going back to uh, Acts chapter ten, and we're out of time here, so we'll we'll leave off here. I think this is a good place. Uh, in verse 45 and come back to verse 46 next week. Uh, but we see uh, these are men that came with Jop or with Peter from Joppa. Uh, go back really quick into the context. And this is the last uh, one we'll make uh, going backwards. But uh, we see as uh, these men uh, from Cornelius come to Joppa to seek Peter, there are certain men that are going to come with him. And I think these are the men that are being spoken about spoken about here. Uh, pick it up in verse 21. It says, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause uh, wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by, a, by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear uh, words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged uh, lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And so here's those certain brethren that came with him. And again, I believe these are uh, the Jews that are spoken about. And so uh, the men uh, are outside of themselves. As we go back to uh, Acts chapter uh, 10 and verse 45, that's their reaction to these uh, uh, Gentiles being able to receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, really, uh, you could say uh, this is just that reaction when you see something that's never been done before. right? You see something happen that you've never seen take place and you're just in astonishment. You're, it's like an, an out of body experience, as it were, as to what you see. Uh, so we'll come back to this next week uh, and look at uh, the proof of the reception of the Holy Spirit by these Gentiles and look at what Peter did after this household was saved. And uh, we will wrap up chapter 10 and start moving into verse or chapter 11 uh, again next week. All right, let's bow in a word of prayer uh, and we'll close. Father, we're uh, grateful for this day and uh, again, grateful for uh, the wonderful uh, rich truths uh, that lie in your word. Uh, and the wonderful accounting of everything that has taken place. And uh, just as the Old Testament and uh, progression into the new, we can look back at these things that are done and, and know you are a faithful God uh, because your word has a historical record of you being faithful to all of those things uh, that you said would take place. And here today we see uh, the Old Testament prophets writing of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as they wrote, just as they were inspired to write, it took place and it, it allowed for the opportunity for salvation uh, to extend uh, further to the Gentiles. And so we're, we're so grateful for this. We're grateful for uh, the receiving of your Holy Spirit and the way that uh, we can receive him now that we don't, we don't have to wait on someone to come and lay their hands on us. We don't have to have a second filling of the Holy Spirit. We are 
filled with the Holy Spirit from the time that we believe. And we're grateful for that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.